Are you looking for a good book? Then let's talk. Books and Authors is the book show on Futures Television. We bring you the best authors on a variety of genres. There are so many great books out there, so where do we start? Leave the digging for us. You can watch Books and Authors every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific. Hello and welcome to Books and Authors, the book show on Futures Television and on Radio Futures. I am Ron Gaioso, your host. Today, we're talking about experience rooms, how positive experiences will drive profits into the future by Joyce Joya. First and foremost, thank you so very much for your being here with me and my guest today. I know your time is very important. I am the guy who makes sure it is invested wisely. And remember, if you're watching this show via Future Televisions, the home of the future on television, or listening to the show via Radio Futures, the wave of the future on radio, you too can be part of the conversation. This show airs on television every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific. And this show is broadcast via Radio Futures daily at 2 p.m. Pacific. If you're not watching us live, please join us on our YouTube channel, and that is IMCI Magazine where we continue to chat about the topic of the day. All righty. So let me say a few words about our guest today. So today we're speaking with Josh Joya. She's the chair of the Herman Group, author of the Herman Alert, star of Futures Television's It's Your Future with Josh Joya and Future Shorts. Her new book, Experience Rules, How Positive Experiences Will Drive Profit into the Future, is just out and is the topic of the show today. Well, without further ado, let's welcome Joyce Toyer to the show. How are you doing today? Great to be with you. Ron. How wonderful to, to see you. you. Likewise. All righty. So let's talk about your new book. And I think the first question is really, so why do you write? Why did you write this book? I saw, well, you, you know that I'm a futurist, right? And so what I do as a futurist is I connect the dots. I see something going on here and something else going on there. And I put them together and I say, okay, the world is going that way. And what I discovered was that we had consultants for employee, the employee experience. And we had consultants for the customer experience, a lot of those. And we had we even had consultants for the investor relations experience, but no one had connected those dots and no one was giving a roadmap to organizations about how to connect all of those different experiences so that they could be aligned, they could be congruent, and they could be effective in helping organizations to optimize profit. And that's why I wrote the book. I also wrote the book because I started out my career in marketing and sales. At the age of 28, I was the youngest magazine publisher in the world, and I doubled advertising revenues five years in a row. Then I went into marketing, worked at an agency, and I learned all about direct marketing. I even taught direct marketing at Fordham University. But then I met my late partner, Roger Herman, and 
he was involved with HR. And this book is the culmination of many decades of work in HR as well as marketing. And it really pulls the whole concept together into one holistic picture. Okay, so uh, the thesis of your book, you talk about experience and bottom line profits. So what's the relationship there? Positive experiences drive engagement and engagement drives profit. It's just that simple. I mean, there's not, it's not complicated. This is not rocket science. The more positive experiences that you're going to give to the people who are connected with you, the more you're going to be successful and the more money you're going to make. That's it. Okay, you talk a little bit about uh, neuroscience in the book as well. It's one of the points you make. So what's the role of neuroscience in creating that positive experience? I'm so glad you asked because I looked at how to create positive experiences. And what I discovered was that it's all about the brain, of course, right? Because the brain is the organ of the body that decides, decides whether we are, we are happy, whether we're enjoying ourselves, how we're feeling. And many sensory inputs can make a profound difference in terms of how we feel. For instance, intentionally, I'm wearing red. Now, if I had known that you were going to have a bar across the bottom that was purple, I probably would not have worn it, that color. But I wore it because red is exciting. It gives us energy. It's the reason that you'll find McDonald's interiors decorated in yellow and red because they want people to hurry along. And it's a, it's a color that makes us feel like we want to take action. We want to move. And it you works very right well. Now. It works very well for McDonald's. But other colors have other effects. And that's why in Chapter 12, I talked all about what, the, what significance each of the colors has. So you do have your red. I changed the color for your bar. So you do oh, have your red to you. match your jacket. <laughs> so um, it's not going to match mine, but it matches yours. So it's okay. <laughs> so uh, this. So when you talk about those colors, right, is this uh, cultural? So, for example, for the Chinese, red means happy. And for other cultures, it does not. So how does it work? Yes, exactly. And... In fact, I, when I spoke in Singapore a while back, I had to be very sensitive to what colors meant. And the first day I always wore blue, kind of the same blue that uh, Zoom is now using, a kind of nice cornflower blue, not, not subdued, not dark blue, because that would be more consultant professional, but I really wanted my audiences to be uh, awake. And so I wanted to use a bright jewel tone. It, it just so happens I look better in jewel tones, so that helped too. But 
I, uh, I always would use blue the first day and red the second day because red had a significance that was not as appropriate for business applications as was the, uh, the blue. So yes, uh, colors do mean things culturally. You do not want to wear white in certain cultures because white is associated with death. In Africa, purple is associated in some, in some uh, countries. And in fact, the color purple that you use <laughs> for futures television is associated with death. And obviously, you don't want that association. <laughs> so oh, actually, yeah, you have um, to be very careful about the colors that you're using, for sure. So the so when they started with Meta, right? Uh, all my friends in Israel were laughing. Uh, because it means death uh, <laughs> in Hebrew, meth. Right, so death, the death search engine, who's gonna use that? No one. <laughs> yeah, we have to be very careful, don't we? Yeah. So let's change subjects a little bit. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about the managers who are uh, reading uh, your book, right? So how can the managers use this information to help them engage and retain their valued employees? Okay. Experience Rules has three chapters that are devoted to employees. And I start off by talking about recruiting. And it's my belief that onboarding begins when they see the first message from your organization, whether it's a billboard or an ad in the online or whatever it is. And that gives them an impression of who you are. I, I have a, a, a girlfriend who is a who owns some uh, shops in California, in the Santa Rosa area, shops that fix cars. And she was looking to run some ads. And when I looked at what she was was intending to run, it was all about what does my organization need and what are we looking for and then at the end she talked about the value proposition for the person who would come work for her well i had her flip them and it was the her ads were much more successful it's it's all about looking at things from the point of view of our employees and whether we're talking about interviewing or or the onboarding process now my onboarding process and it's all in the book uh, has a an eight point orientation which involves helping people to see how they made the right decision in choosing to work there how the working at the organization can help their career and what are the different career paths that they could take from where they're starting out to where they want to be. I've recommended to people, to organizations that they show people in the orientation, people have been, who have been there and done that, people who started at the ground level and have risen in that organization. 
I also believe that we need to pay attention to creating very positive experiences when it comes to figuring out whether we're going to keep people or not. So retention, retention is a very big thing. And if, if bosses and leaders are not expressing that they value their direct reports, guess what? There are 11 million job openings in the United States today and millions more elsewhere. And so people, uh, people can now work anywhere because we have this wonderful thing called the World Wide Web. And you can be a remote employee for a company in Germany or a company in Japan or a company in Singapore. And many of our, our best uh, uh, software developers are now recognizing they can live anywhere in the world. In fact, when I was in Dubai recently, I met uh, a number of them who choose to live in Dubai just because they can, because Dubai is a happening place. So leaders really need to pay attention to what can create those positive experiences within the people who report to them. And they need to be super careful, especially now, because we're, we're really in the middle of the great reshuffling. People are reevaluating the whys and wherefores. Why am I working at this company or that company? Or, or could I do better, not only in terms of salary at another organization, but would I have more of a chance to make a difference in the lives of others and that is definitely coming into play you're seeing people leaving hospitality and going to healthcare. you're seeing people leaving hospitality and going into teaching because they want to make a difference they just dis they discovered during covid that that was one of the things that made them feel really good and so they're doing it so for Leaders in conventional organizations, they have to be especially careful because people do have other choices. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about soft skills. You talk a lot about them, you, you know, in all of your shows and your programs. So what kind of role does empathy play in creating those positive experiences? Empathy plays a huge role. A huge role because when you are speaking with someone and you're distracted you're not present you're not focused on them you're not actively listening to them people interpret that as that you really don't care as opposed to when we are 100% present when we speak with people, when we focus on them and listen with our eyes and our hearts, as well as our ears to what they're saying, when we don't give them all the answers all the time, 
but instead help people to find the answers within them. We are exhibiting a kind of empathy that is very highly valued. Employees want to feel like they're special and important. My very favorite GM, general manager, hotel general manager in the whole world is located in Accra, Ghana. And his name is Saji Khan. And this man has the ability to make you feel like you're the only person in the world who counts when you're sitting with him. And that's the kind of empathy, that's the kind of enlightened leadership that organizations need to take care of their employee stakeholders as well as their other stakeholders. And one of the things that this book talks about is the fact that organizations have many different groups of stakeholders, not just employees and customers. Wonderful. Let's change perspectives a little bit. How about the managers? How can the managers you know, use this information to help them create better engagement? Is there any other ways that you can see, for example, this, uh, this hotel manager that you just mentioned? Does he do anything special with the people that work for him? I mean, oh, we talked yes. about, you know, you as a guest, but what about the people who work for him? Were you able to do yes. something like that? I was so impressed with this guy when I met him that I wrote an article called uh, later when I went back to the, the same property and he was not there. And it was the service levels had just taken a nosedive. They were so low and his had been so high and the the contrast was so great let me give you some examples africa is a different kind of environment than we have in the united states and it's he was kind of the papa of the family there and he would ask his people, how is your child? How is your, your uh, wife? I, I understand that your mother was ill. How is she doing? Uh, he took a personal interest in every single employee in that organization. He also had this cool thing he expected everybody to memorize the list of guiding principles mm. of that hotel. And if you could recite the list of guiding principles, he would whip out the equivalent of a, a $5 bill in African currency and give it to you in Ghanaian currency, actually, and give it to you. And he he just, he had this relationship with his people where they would do anything for him. Sometimes they kidded him and they said, yes, boss. Uh, but there was a love and a caring that was an exchange of value 
that was somewhat unique in organizations today. And when I went to his new property, which is the Tang Palace Hotel in Accra, which is, by the way, it just won an award last year as being the top hotel in Accra, and it's Chinese-owned, uh, there was the same love, the same uh, caring, and it was two ways between the employees and him. And it was just so beautiful to be there. And how did that manifest itself? Of course, in super high service levels. His people just could not do enough for the customers because he was doing so much for them. Oh, how wonderful. And now, so let's change perspectives a, a little bit. So how about the marketers? How can they use this information to help them create better engagement uh, with their customers? It's all about delivering value. What is most important to your customers? Map out your customer journey. In fact, in the book, at the end of the book, I suggest that readers, if they're serious about really optimizing profit, that they look at mapping out the journeys for each and every stakeholder group in the organization. And that goes not only for customers and employees, but also for the families of customers and the families of employees and the shareholders and the suppliers and vendors. You know, a lot of people, a lot of organizations ignored those suppliers and vendors until we started having supply chain issues. And then suddenly they wanted to be their best friends. Well, <laughs> who are you going to give your product to first? Is it the, the person who partners with you and who considers your input valuable? Or is it the customer who says, you're lucky I'm buying from you? Now, can you, but, can you, can you stay I'm, a little bit here? Uh, I, I'm going to go back to the marketers a little bit. Now, before you go do that, okay. so you use a, a very expanded definition of stakeholder. Can you explain that? Yes. Stakeholders are any group of people or any person who is connected to the organization in, the, in that they have a stake, they really care about the success of the organization. They want the organization to be successful. When the organization is successful, it makes a difference in their lives in some way. Now, obviously, if an organization is successful, and you're a customer of that organization, it may choose to give you more bonus points or to, to choose to reward you in some special way that it did not before. And that's in, an important aspect too uh, about marketers and their stakeholders who are the customers. It's really important to look at what the competition is doing with the customers. 
And if the competition is offering something in particular and you are not, then you're likely to come up short in the customer's eyes. So you have to pay attention to what other organizations in your industry are doing as well. And the stakeholders um, are each of, of those stakeholders that's connected to the organization cares in a different way about that organization. And obviously the organization needs to be connected with that stakeholder in a way that matters. So if, if you're talking about employees as stakeholders, there are certain things that they care about. Yeah, they care about their own well-being, they want good, good money, they want to grow. Uh, and when you give them what they're looking for in a value proposition, you're going to succeed. What are suppliers and vendors looking for? You want to look at that value proposition and give that to them. They want to be paid on time. They want to partner with you. They want to know that they can be read in on things so that if you have a new product that's say coming down the line and they can contribute to that product with goods or services or, or some part, make sure that you let them in on that so that they can help you to optimize the value of that new product that you're coming out with. Because if they're a supplier or vendor to you, chances are they have great ideas about how you can do things faster, better, less expensively. Okay, so, so far I talked about the managers, the employees, the customers. How about the readers in their personal lives? Can you use this same process to you know, create a more positive experience in their own lives? You, you know, of course, that it's true that every person that's connected to us, there's an exchange of value that takes place. We listen to our friends. They listen to us. That's valuable to us, that we have a sounding board. Uh, we... We also, when, when we have them to parties, for instance, and, and uh, before I had published the book, I did about 20 television appearances uh, talking about how delivering positive experiences to the, the people who are connected to us, the ordinary people who are our friends and family can make a difference. And I talked about, in, in particular, I talked about barbecues. And when you have a barbecue, if you have, if you're inviting people who are vegans, you, that you don't want to give them Wagyu beef sliders. You want to give them impossible burger sliders or beyond burger sliders. Or if they don't eat that stuff, you might want to make another kind of vegetable only dish. So, and what can we do to make sure that people don't poison themselves? We can put little cards next to each item, gluten-free, this one has nuts, 
uh, this has dairy so that people can know ahead of time and they can make sure that they're eating things that they want to be eating and that will be the best for their bodies. You know what, you, you made a comment about food and I realized how important it is. So um, I, during the, the COVID, the only reason I could get the vaccine was at the onset is because I volunteered uh, at the stadium to give vaccines to people. So you work a very long shift and it was overnight. And then they gave us free food. Uh, so I went there so you could get like a, 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 a ham sandwich or a hot dog. Oh, no. But then they were like, <laughs> I was standing there and there were like three Indian guys standing there with some very sad faces and said, oh, hi, how are you? Are you hungry? I said, yes, but there's nothing for us to eat. And then I look around, there were no vegetarian dishes. So they didn't, so they didn't make the experience inclusive for people. I said, oh my gosh, you know, so now we have a bunch of people who are, you know, giving out of their heart, they're volunteers, right? Uh, they're here to help the, the community. We didn't even think about, you know, will they be hungry? And they're not going to go for the burger and the ham sandwich. I said, oh gosh, this is, this is embarrassing. So I, uh, so you're so right when you mentioned, you know, yeah, you have to, Think about all those inclusive thoughts and show how do you show your empathy by showing you care, right? You care about, you know, the experience and you care about the foods, you care about uh, the whole thing and the whole person, right? And we try to make the whatever environment we're in as inclusive as we possibly can. So Joyce, uh, what, is your, what is your message? So what do you want people to get out of this book as they read it? That is a very interesting question. And the answer is I want leaders in particular to understand that it's, it is the quality of the experiences that they deliver to all of the people who are connected to them that can make a difference in their bottom line profit. It's just that simple. If you focus on delivering the best experiences that you possibly can to all of these different groups, you, whether you're a small business or a large business or a medium-sized business, you are going to optimize your profit. Wonderful. So uh, one last question is, what are you reading? Can you recommend a good book? <laughs> yes, actually, the last book that I read was called The Lincoln Highway. And it was by a man named Amor Tolls. And Amor Tolls is very well uh, known for another book called The Gentleman from Moscow. And this particular book is, it, it takes a little bit of getting into, but as soon as you do, you're hooked. And it, it's a, a real page turner. It's about uh, some uh, young men who decades ago uh, are dealing with their own family situations 
as well as emancipating themselves and being their own people. And these four guys meet in a, a juvenile detention center kind of school home. And two, uh, one of them is being released from this home and the other two escape. <laughs> and that's all I'll tell you. <laughs> okay, so it looks like we have to go explore. Well, you know, yeah. we had such a wonderful conversation today. I want to thank, thank you, so you Josh, so much for your time today. And folks, we're really just scratching the surface here. We can certainly continue this conversation, but I'm afraid that's all the time uh, uh, we have for today. So again, let me uh, just uh, go back here for a moment. Experience rules, how positive experiences will drive profit into the future by Joyce Jordan. And so, available uh, on Amazon. On on Amazon, it's oh, available. But it's also available through our the website, Futures Television, right? Yeah, it is. So, uh, folks, I'm going to put the link uh, to this book in the comment section of this video. So, before we go, let me just uh, tell you a little bit or remind you of our schedule. Uh, again, uh, we broadcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific on Futures Television. And daily on Radio Futures again at 2 p.m. Pacific. So you can watch books and authors or listen to it, whichever way you prefer. And we have our standing column at IMCI Magazine, which is out every other month. Uh, so, by the way, please continue to submit your comments and questions on our YouTube page. I'll make sure to read it and present it to Joyce. Any other questions you might have. If you're listening to us via podcast or watching the show as a recording via Futures Television or listening to it on Radio Futures, you too can be part of the conversation. Again, just visit our YouTube channel and leave a comment. And please don't forget to share and like this video and subscribe to our channel. I am counting on you. So again, uh, thank you so very much uh, for your time here today. If you have a thought, a comment, a question, or would like to suggest a book, you can get a hold of me, the editor, uh, via Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Again, thank you so much for your time today, and I will leave you with our institutional message. See you next time. Are you looking for a good book? Then let's talk. Books and Authors is the book show on Futures Television. We bring you the best authors on a variety of genres. There are so many great books out there, so where do we start? Leave the digging for us. You can watch Books and Authors every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific.